Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how you doing, man? Great. That's it? That's it. Yeah. I'm covered in snow, and it's 35 and now raining, and then it's supposed to drop down to like 19 tomorrow. So I'm just expecting all the fun that February in Ohio can bring. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's why I don't live there. Yeah. So, Tom... We're going to do a panel show this time. I know. I was going to say how excited I am. And we have two of our favorite people here with us. Why don't you introduce them? The people can't see this, but I can see this. It's like our own terrible Hollywood squares going on. So <laughs> in the bottom left corner is the lovely and ever-present hair in her clip, Pollyanna. Miss Pollyanna, do you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. How are you? And then for the win in the bottom right, we have everyone's resident genius. Jeff, give us a big hello. Hello. See, there you go. <laughs> so they don't call, her, call him the best color man in baseball for nothing. <laughs> I did like the Hollywood Squares reference though, Tom. That was good. I was like, it does kind of look like Hollywood. You didn't date yourself at all. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff, after the show, I'll have to tell you why that's a very dangerous movie reference. <laughs> you just <laughs> did right there. But no, Ben, I know COVID-19, the COVID-19 vaccine, it's all on, on everyone's minds. So we wanted to do a very informative, but hopefully fun to listen to show about the COVID-19 vaccine. And we couldn't think of anyone better to do it with than two of our favorite guests. So we could, but they all said no. So I mean, guess he's not getting something for Valentine's Day now. Me. That's right. Okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Not even a clip? No, not definitely not a clip. Jeff might get a little something for Valentine's Day, but you guys are not. Quit being mean. See, Jeff is just the sweetest guy. Yeah. So he deserves it. He is. (laughs) So Ben, how are things where you're at? Things are good. We're uh, distributing the vaccine at a near record pace. Just sounds good. I don't know if we actually are or not. (laughs) (laughs) If I say it, it might be true. Yeah. I will say, at least in this area, and, and, you know, as we get more into the show, we'll talk to everybody else to find out. But I'm very impressed with the number of people who want to get the vaccine in this area. I mean, we put out a call through the hospital that I worked with to get people signed up if they wanted the vaccine. And it was well over a thousand people called in. So, I mean, it was great. Other than that, man, we're just working and seeing people and doing what we can. Miss Pollyanna, how are things? Well, the state of Washington is in pretty good shape, I think. Numbers are going down from what they were. So that's awesome. I think we're all kind of in the the mode of Washington has been pretty diligent about being a closed state, right? So we have, we up until just recently, we're just constant outside dining only, no inside dining, mandatory mask wearing everywhere. So it's not as, you know, I have some friends in Florida and everywhere that don't really have to, to bend to the kind of rules that we have here. But honestly, and what I'm seeing in the clinic is a lot less positives, a lot more people now that the news of the variants has come out. But, you know, people are not testing positive as frequently now here. So it's not too bad. It's raining. <laughs> oh, shocker. Washington, raining? Yeah. And Jeff? Oh, we're covered in snow again and temperatures dropping rapidly. So it's lovely. They've already called off school for tomorrow. So everybody who is above the age of 21 is now in mourning. <laughs> so in your area, you're in Tom both there. At least in this area, when the temperature drops, so does the driver IQ. I'm just curious, does that happen in your area as well? Well, that assumes that it was up to begin with. Yes. Every time it snows, it seems like it's 
amazing that something falls from the sky that could make the roads a little bit slick. Yeah. I would say, first of all, and he already got to it, Ben, your data set is skewed. <laughs> you started at the wrong plot point. Second of all, <laughs> I will say I will give Ohio some props on this. Generally, we keep the roads and I've lived in multiple places, including where Ben lives and where Jeff lives, well, close to where Jeff lives. And I would say by far, I think Ohio does a really good job of keeping the roads clear. However, there is that period of time between snow falling and snow cleared where, yes, everyone's IQ seems to go down. And I would love to just scream out or have some kind of neon board on top of my car that says, it's four-wheel drive, not four-wheel stop. You know, the laws of physics do not cease to exist because you have a Ford or Chevy sign on the front of your vehicle. Pay attention. But, you know, what do I know? I want you guys to come to Washington and drive. Is it worse? It's insanity on a dry day. Yes. <laughs> but I've driven in a lot of places, in, even in other countries, and I've never encountered driving like this whatsoever. The lanes are smaller. I swear they are. I think it's just because there's less space. But, you know, back in, in Ohio and Kentucky, the lanes are bigger, wider, but here, no. And there's so much traffic. It's crazy. And people are on the defensive always. So they don't drop back to get in line behind you. They just speed up and try to cut you off. It's the greatest thing ever. Never seen anything like it. I would like to apologize for starting at the wrong plot point. I forgot to carry the one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, though, the worst place of driving ever is Hawaii. It's not the Aloha spirit because most people are actually pretty friendly that live in Hawaii. It's you have to realize for every citizen that lives in Hawaii, I think the ratio is like 1.2 tourist. So literally at any point, there's actually more people visiting Hawaii than live there and they don't know where they're going. And so even a six lane highway, uh, H1, people over there know what I'm talking about, comes to a dead stop <laughs> every day. And I'm like, this is insanity. There are six lanes of traffic going one direction and we're stopped. Like, it's not ever pleasant. I'm pretty sure those are all people from the West Coast. It's ridiculous. It's tough. It's tough. They're everywhere. But hopefully those people, while they're stuck in those traffic jams, are going to listen to this episode and come away from it with some education about the COVID-19 vaccines. And um, we'll all be the better for it. There you go. Well... If they like our show, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube by Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web or www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email is admin at justsomepodcast.com as well. Pollyanna, I'm going to plug your show for you just because I can. Don't forget to check out Buried Pleasures with Pollyanna Amazing every couple of weeks that it comes out, talking about all kinds of fun topics. And, of course, we have Nurse Papa, uh, David. He, his shows come out every other Monday and some good stuff there, too. Tom, if they want to help us out, what else can they do? Well, they can go to our website. They can scroll down to just about the bottom of the page. And I'm going to keep saying that till I'm proven otherwise. They can go onto Amazon, click on that link first before you do any shopping or put anything in your cart like hair clips. And then what you do is you purchase it. It helps out the show. It you won't cost you anything. It won't be like you even knew we were there and we would really appreciate it. It'll be a hair clip kind of show, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Can we talk about the what you're going to do for charity, the Dudoir calendar? Can we talk about that now? Is this appropriate time? Yeah, go ahead and talk about it because it's still not happening. <laughs> so you could talk about it all you want. I think we lost the uh, audio on this for some reason. When I, ate it, I don't know what happened. Yeah, exactly. That's okay. Because I will remember this conversation to talk about it. Uh-uh, no. Dude, our calendar to help, you know, a charity of your choice, Tom. That's not you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I know Jeff said he would actually shoot it. Yes, I will. No charge. I will travel each direction. <laughs> See? How great is that? I think if we ever made this happen, we would just have to all come together as a group. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Yeah. My birthday's in July. And are we all vaccinated? We are all vaccinated. Yep. See, we're all set. Ah, oh, my God. It's almost it's, like I have... I'm going to be touching my hair clip about this later. I'm so excited. You but The you point should. will still remain, though, Pollyanna, is that I would rather look at the sun through binoculars then see a picture of myself in a Dubork calendar. So we no. can hook all that up, sugar. You don't need your eyes to be the best nurse practitioner that you are. <laughs> okay. I, nothing you say is going to make me want to do this. So there that's you go. not true. Um, you need to stop that. That's not true. I could say lots of things and you would say yes. So stop. There's one thing we've already <laughs> talked about pre-show, Pollyanna. 
Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> there you go. I'm just saying. What a great way to, you know, make some money to help out a charity. And since Ben is already like the number one nurse practitioner in Kansas, and I'm really hot in Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. That show is just burning up Nigeria. Just saying. No. Actually, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, Jeff, I think where I'm, are you I'm hot at? it's really cool size. <laughs> Nowhere. Coastal Carolina University loves Jeff. That's what I heard. <laughs> all right. No dude to our calendar. I love the enthusiasm. I'll give him that. Tom, Tom and Pollyanna and Jeff, yeah. are you ready for our story that you may have missed? Oh, I'm begging for it at this point, please. <laughs> Me too. Is there any jean shorts in it? No. Just checking. Hair clips? No. <laughs> okay. Well, Tom, short afternoon naps may aid cognitive function as we age. There was a study done in older adults in China that found a clear association between brief afternoon naps and stronger cognitive function. It was published in General Psychiatry magazine. And the researchers studied 2,214 healthy people from several large Chinese cities, all really 60 years old. The average nighttime sleep interval of study participants was 6.5 hours. For the purposes of the study, the team defined a nap as anywhere from five minutes to two hours of sleep after lunch. Of the group, 1,534 reported regularly taking an afternoon nap with the frequency of their snoozes ranging from once a week to every day. Three main findings that come from this. First, the older individuals who took afternoon naps showed significantly higher cognitive performance compared with those who did not nap. Secondly, it did find some slightly higher levels of triglycerides in napping older adults, but they make a notation that that was still within normal range. And finally, afternoon napping was strongly associated with orientation, language function, and memory. They did say that, however, not all naps were alike. The study found that the longer, more frequent naps tended to be associated with poorer cognitive function and short and less frequent naps lasting less than 30 minutes and occurring four times a week appeared to be the most helpful. These naps, according to the study, led to an 84% decrease in the chances of developing Alzheimer's. Tom, your thoughts? Well, my first thought is that all of our listeners in Portugal and Spain just shit their pants because they're like, hey, bro, it's called a siesta. We've been doing this for a while. Why did they do the study here? That's probably what the first thing I would say is. Second of all, I love the idea of a nap, but at the same time, I feel like I I don't do it because I feel like it wastes my day. Like I wake up actually feeling worse. Like, oh, I could have been doing something. And maybe that's the American in me. You know, maybe like physically I'm like, oh, that was nice. But then mentally I go, yeah, but I could have done name something. Candy bar. Yeah, <laughs> could have eaten a candy bar and it would have been more productive. You know, could have played with my hair clip. And oh my gosh, could have prevented Armageddon. I mean, you don't know. What prevent, you know, if there is one thing I love, it's texting uh, Pollyanna being like, Hey, have you watched Armageddon lately? And you know, if I hadn't napped, I could have done that. So, you know, here's my thought on it. Thanks for asking. Anyway, is why would you do a study about taking naps in people who are cognitively superior? Asians statistically are cognitively superior to the people who are in the United States. I'm not going to generalize on that. Because I believe they would still you know, have a chance of getting dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah. Regardless of their... Right. But for somebody, for me, for instance, like I have five, like my mom, my aunts and my uncle all have Alzheimer's. My grandfather had Alzheimer's. His mother had Alzheimer's. Right. Like So generally speaking, a nap's not going to ever do anything for me. <laughs> Except make me tired. I don't nap. I was thinking you should be napping now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you should be napping as we talk. I never nap because it makes me hurt all over for one. And here's the deal. If I like up until I quit working in the ER night shift, I was only sleeping maybe two, three hours a day, every day. And so just being on day shift and, and having like normal people hours, I sleep maybe six and a half, seven hours sometimes. And it's just the most amazing thing. But I will not go to bed early. Like if I went to bed at nine o'clock, I will be up at four o'clock and hate my life. So I don't do it. So did any of those family members take naps? I'm pretty sure my mom, since she retired, has taken naps, but obviously can't stay that course. Jeff, where are you on the nap uh if I nap, I'm worthless after that. Me too. I, I hear you, Jeff. Seriously. Same. See, I think you're napping too long. It's like a short little like 20 minute power nap. Oh, it's, it's great. No. It just pisses me off. Uh, cannot do it. 
Yeah. I feel worse mentally. I go, wow, I could have done other things. Now I'm right. behind. Well, you people are all wrong. I'm questioning why we had you all on the show now. So <laughs> well, somebody's got to listen to the show. Jeez. Anyway. Several of us may be questioning why we're here. Exactly. <laughs> I could have been taking a nap. Honestly, I have I sleep with a bite guard because I have bruxism really bad. So I grind my teeth. And if I take a nap, I'll wake up with the worst headache ever if I don't have a bite guard. That's it. All you do is nope. dust your hair clip and you'll be just fine. So just throwing that out there. All right. Are we ready to get into vaccines? Oh, I'm ready to get into a lot of stuff, Ben. I bet you are. Trouble is the number one on the list. That's what he's ready for. Exactly. That's what I meant. So we've all gotten the vaccine. Now, what all did everybody, what did you guys get? I got the Moderna vaccine. I got Moderna as well. Moderna. Pfizer. Ah. <laughs> oh, look who's bougie. Outlier. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Whatever. Ours is superior. Honestly, I didn't have trouble with the first one until about a week later. And then my death would have felt better than I did. But I was only, I only felt terrible for about, oh, maybe 12, 18 hours. And then the second one, arm was sore as all get out, but last two, three days and no other problems. I wish I could say the same. No. So first vaccine, uh, I was feverish, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea for 48 hours after the first 29th hour after the vaccine. So first vaccine, 29 hours later, sick for two days. And then at day seven, I also had a localized reaction to the vaccine, huge hives and just one giant hive when I say that. And then like a scattered little papular rash down the arm that lasted for two days and then it went away. So second one, definitely got fever, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea immediately, body aches, chills like crazy, probably about hour five. And then two days later was fine, except for two days later, I had the same weird localized reaction, but around my bicep. And I promise the nice lady that gave me my injection did not give it to me in my bicep. It was actually in the deltoid, but um, it's kind of sketchy for sure when you show it to people. But yeah, but I will do it every year again, just because I want to travel and see my family and my friends, like whatever it takes. Tom, what about yours? Slightly different than these two. I shouldn't say slightly different than these two. I did have the arm inflammation and pain, but no, like you wouldn't be able to tell without me saying like right here is where it hurts. So I lucked out on that. It did last about three days. The odd thing to me about this is these guys are saying, oh, it happened a couple of days later. Literally before I left the building, my arm was already getting sore. It was like she gave me the shot. I sat around for a few minutes. I put on my coat. By the time I hit my car in the parking lot, I was like, holy shit, this, <laughs> this thing hurts. About 24 hours later, both shots, one and two, same, were fairly similar. Uh, about 24 hours later, I felt like death warmed over, especially it hit me hardest was body aches, fatigue, and chills. I got some insulation around my tummy and uh, I'm pretty good with the cold weather usually. And you literally could have set my socks on fire. Like I was just freezing to death. I needed warmth, which was just weird. Like that was an indication to everyone around me. Like, oh shit, he's in sweatpants, a sweatshirt and has a blanket around him. He's going to die. Yeah. He's going to start sweating like that hot dog at the Circle K. Like (laughs) it just, it's good. It was just going to be bad. We're just concerned about that split. (laughs) Exactly. Like you don't want to see that. The contents of which will scare you. But then the, uh, it was easier to, for me, I think cognitively, I was like, you know, this is a side effect. So unlike when you're sick and you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? This time it was like, okay, take some Motrin, you know, drink some Gatorade, get some rest. You'll, you'll be a-okay. And that's pretty much what it was. But the body aches and fatigue were, for me, were ridiculous. Like I literally had trouble standing up. Yeah. My body hurt and I was just so tired. The chills were terrible. For sure. Yeah. I'm barely certain now that I've gotten the placebo. Um, <laughs> you got your Vaseline? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if they mixed mine correctly. Knackle. A little knackle. Oh, That's what he oh. got. I got the Rolls Royce of vaccines. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, my mom and my sister both got the Pfizer and also never had one complaint other than a little soreness. So see, yeah, I had a sore arm both times, like a tetanus shot, but that was about the extent of it. Now my wife got some Moderna. First one, her arm was very sore. Second one, yeah. <laughs> she got it on a Friday. Saturday, she looked like death. And Saturday night, she went to bed at nine o'clock. Sunday, she woke up at five o'clock in the evening. 
I did go in and check on her multiple times, make sure she was still breathing. Held a mirror. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're still good. Okay. I forgot because I text Ben this. It was really odd for a couple hours when I first woke up the, the day after. It was almost like being drunk. My vision was having to catch up to my face. Like I would turn my head and <laughs> yeah. it literally took, it was just long enough you noticed it. Like I would turn my head and all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. Okay. Oh, there's my vision is now caught up to where I'm at. Um, it was a really odd sensation. My wife agreed with you. If you've been intoxicated, though, you know what I'm talking about. Like, hold on. Time travel. Yeah. yeah. Now we can talk again. That was a perfect uh, demonstration for radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was doing it for you, Jeff. I care about you, Jeff. These people that are listening, who are these people? They don't know me. It's a face for radio. Yeah. Oh, she's. Okay, so obviously there is the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, as we are discussing. They're both mRNA vaccines. So mRNA vaccines have strands of genetic material called mRNA inside a special coating. That coating protects the mRNA from enzymes in the body that would otherwise break it down. It also helps the mRNA enter into the cells and the macrophages into the lymph nodes near the vaccination site. mRNA can most easily be described as instructions for the cell on how to make a piece of the spike protein that is unique to the COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. Since only part of the protein is made, it does not do any harm to the person who's vaccinated, but it is antigenic. And once displayed on the cell surface, the protein or antigen causes the immune system to begin producing antibodies and activating T-cells to fight off what it thinks is an infection. These antibodies are specific to COVID-19, which means that the immune system is primed to protect against future infection. Or as I explain it to my patients, it's a photocopier for the cells. The one description that I seen that I really liked was, and most people get this, is it's like a Snapchat message. Mm -hmm. It's there for a short time and then it disappears. And, you know, it's not there any longer. So And gets a reaction. I tell people it's like having pictures in your wallet, right? So you've got this snapshot, it's in your wallet. It'll come out when it needs to, but it's kind of a secret. So you don't want to show it to everybody. You're only going to show it to <laughs> the COVID that hits you up. I have to think on different levels. And then you show the picture and they're like, oh, did I do something? I'm going to back out of here. Mm -hmm. Got blackmail pictures. We're good. Back in the wallet, goes back in. <laughs> I think the favorite description was by a physician on Twitter, and it uses adult language. So if you do want to do this one or read it, be prepared. I don't know if you would want to use it for kids. He's like, so imagine a guy walks into a bar. And you're like, hey, who the fuck is this guy? And they kick him out. <laughs> and then he comes back in 28 days. You're like, this fucking exactly. guy. <laughs> it's goes perfect. The whole process. So he explains the process, but using a bar fight. And I was like, hilarious. Thank you, doctor. For, yeah, it was, it was pretty entertaining. But honestly, that's pretty amazing technology that they're able to to do this now. And I know it's something they've been studying for quite a while, which hopefully will put some peace of mind into patients that, you know, because that's the big thing that I hear a lot is, well, it's so new, it was so rushed. Well, yes and no. And I went over this with some people just recently, and you could find this information on the Moderna and the Pfizer site. The really fascinating part is the transport of the mRNA. Like we knew what we wanted to do, right? We just couldn't get the mRNA. It's a pretty fragile protein to the body. And how are we going to get it to use? So there were several companies that developed something called lipid nanoparticles, or it's a bubble that they put the mRNA in, and that's what they put in the suspension. That's what's injected into you. So we had the idea. We just couldn't figure out how to get part one, part two, and part three together to get it into you so that your body could start this, you know, inflammation response and uh, inflammation. You know what I'm saying? All right. Immune. So anyways, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the immune response. Sorry about that. But the point is, is the more I found out about how they did this, and that's why your body breaks down the, the lipid nanoparticles, it starts the mRNA process. It gets the Snapchat, deletes it. I was like, so now your body knows what to do and there's no evidence left. And like, I was like, isn't that fascinating? And the patients are like, what? And I'm like, oh God, hold on. Let me draw you a picture. So then I get to go over it again. It's the photocopier. You know, now that I've heard photocopier, I'm like, yeah, that's the one I'm going to start using. But it is very fascinating to read about how we did this. I say we, but I mean, we're deploying it. The other thing I tried to say is when people say it's really new, and I use this example also is, I was like, you know, you're not afraid of the Model T car. 
because you've had the Model T car for a while, but it's a Model T. Think about that for a second. We're using old stuff for some of these other vaccines. I was like, this is a Porsche. So why are you afraid of the Porsche? Because it's new? Like, you're not afraid of any of the other things we're using. But since this one's new, it suddenly sounds dangerous. I was like, oh, really, we got to get past the science is science. It's doing its job. Well, and you had people worldwide working on the same project. Yes. At the same time, uh, instead of, you know, back in the 80s, you had different groups working on the AIDS virus, but every one of them was, well, I won't say everyone, many of them were um, out for their own glory in doing it. So they were doing research behind walls as opposed to, hey, sharing like people did with this one. So you had a lot more information. You had a lot, much easier time disseminating that information to other people to, for them to learn from. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when the entire world says, stop what you're doing. Right. We got to focus on this for a minute. Well, and it's really cool, too, to see the way, just like you guys just did with the Snapchat and the picture and the photocopy and that sort of thing. There's so many avenues of how people are disseminating that information, like videos or if you're somebody who reads or what have you or making funny cartoons to get people to get it. I think is very important. And that's a big part of how are we going to get all these people on board with getting these vaccines whenever seasoned professionals such as ourselves, three out of four of us had some pretty gnarly reactions. And you know, it's for the better good. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> for the better good. But you're also a guinea pig and, and mixed messages to people can be a little bit sketchy. But the way that people are putting out this information is kind of nice to have the ability to have like I have never put so much thought into a vaccine ever in the entirety of my career as a nurse practitioner. I really have not. You know, I read the information, I give the patient the information, but this one is one that I think that just because of what it is and, and where we are was really on the forefront of everything. So I like how we're getting information and being, you know, guided. I like it. I like it. So do you guys know what the previous record holder was for the fastest vaccine produced and the time that it was? I found this in an article, so I thought it was interesting. I'm going to say smallpox, but I have no idea. It was months and four years. Nice. Four years. Nice. Well, and that a lot of that is they had to they had to grow it. Right. They didn't have the technology to use messenger RNA to replicate. And that's the problem with a lot of these other vaccines. They're not able to do that with the mRNA. And so you take a lot of time to develop these. And again, that's the conversation I've had when someone says, well, how do they get it so fast? And again, I go back to, well, the old stuff is based off old technology. We had to actually grow it. We've had to do other stuff. And this, we said, nah, we don't need the whole thing. We need this part. And that's where we went forward. So it has been a fascinating, to, and to watch it happen. Like this is probably based on a lot of the other stuff I read on this vaccine this is likely the future of how new vaccines are going to be produced, or at least this technology is going to be incorporated into it for sure. And we got to be part of it. Like we got to watch this happen. So when our grandchildren are like, oh, you know, what was it like? I was like, well, first of all, it was terrible. But second of all, it was really cool to watch it take place. Like we got to be part of that solution. So it is an odd time. Like, I hate that we're going through it. But at the same time, I'm like, this is like that once every hundred years event. And we're just happen to be in the middle of it. Well, I'd rather be this than, you know, like all out civil war. Well, fair. But <laughs> right? I saw somebody like, show a video great. of them graduating high school in 1989. And I was like, no, that would be pretty cool. I wish I was <laughs> like going through that. That would be probably a, a cooler time than, you know, quarantine. Already been there. So let me get this straight. You put yourself in your house for a couple of weeks. I'm like, yeah, 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 I did. That's what we did. Yeah. So can you guys think of any other vaccine that has come out that has had this much misinformation come out about it as well? Gardasil. Ooh. And that's kind of what I was thinking too. It was Gardasil. Yeah. Honestly, that's the only one that comes to mind now that you said it. Because at first I was like, no, not really. And then when you said it, I was like, bingo. But even Gardasil, I don't know. I mean, not this level. I say some of the craziness that has come out about this vaccine has been, I mean, you know, the altering DNA and some of the lots of things we're going to continue to talk about. You've never seen that with Gardasil. All you really, I mean, at least from what I recall, all you really heard was, okay, it could potentially cause side effects and I don't want it. That it was untested. Yeah. I mean, that was basically it. It wasn't the bullshit that comes out about this vaccine per se. Right. 
Well, and I'm trying to walk the tightrope on this. It seems like with this particular one at this particular time, there are groups of people with not so much vested interest, but they want this to fail. It almost feels like. There are agendas. Yes, there are agendas to seeing misinformation produced. And I think that is also part of the problem. So I think there is a legitimate people are scared. They're scared of COVID. They don't understand this because like this isn't something if you said, hey, Tom, this is an mRNA. The first time I heard that, I was like, okay, I know what RNA is, but let me dig into this a little further. So I totally sympathize with people being worried. But then when you add the misinformation campaigns that are purposely being directed at it, it just takes something and makes it that much worse and makes it a lot worse. It is something I think that is something this vaccine is having to contend with that nothing else ever has. Because think about it, polio comes out and they're like, yes, there wasn't anybody going, well, and if there was, there were small factions. I I shouldn't say there wasn't. There were people that were against it in the beginning. But by and large, society said, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Everyone is getting this vaccine and we did it. But now there are groups that would prefer us not have it for whatever their agenda is. And it's caused that problem. Well, I think what you're talking about, though, is there's such a we have the resources now like you can get on online right now and you can put out a video. And if people believe you, which we're professionals, we are people who people believe whatever we say, there are certain factions of people are going to be like, holy cow, we should do whatever they say. It's a lot of power to have. Fair enough, because, you know, 1918. They just came to the local dock. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, hey, stupid, put on a mask. And everyone's like, yeah, stupid, put on a mask. And then guess what? Everyone put on masks. And now, like you just said, one person that says, one time I spoke to a doctor who was my brother's cousin's roommate in college, and he said, you shouldn't do this on YouTube. Bam, 100,000 people now think they have some information about this that's accurate. Well, in clinic, what are you telling your patients that happened to you? Like I have, I'm not going to lie. It made me not feel good. So whenever the next phase rolls out and we, when we're starting to see that now, but just the people coming in saying, Oh my God, look, my arm's going to fall off. You know, Oh my God, I'm not getting the second one. You can't make me get the second one. I won't. So that's happening. I'm seeing that start to happen, which might, it's kind of scary, but what are you, how are you guys doing with that? Like, are you telling people how sick you got? Yes, but I'm also equating it to the Shingrix vaccine. Oh, you yeah. Know, people feel pretty bad after the first one. For sure. I tell them, you're going to feel bad after the first one. You're going to feel worse on the second one. You're going to just feel sick. But the worse you feel, the better off you are, the more of an immune response your body is mounting. We have an information sheet that we give out to them when we administer the vaccine so that they are aware the, that there are side effects and not problems. Um, the other thing that I equate it back to is, okay, do you remember when you had kids and we brought them in for vaccinations and we tell you, you know, they can run a fever and they could, you know, not feel well for a few days because their body's building up immunity to what we're vaccinating against. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, same principle. Same thing. It's just you this time instead of your child. And they're like, uh, sometimes that helps kind of make some sense as well. First of all, always upfront, honest. I tell them right off the bat, I've had it. This was my experience, you know, but just like you all have said, I was like, look, you take some Tylenol, you take some Motrin, you realize that this is the immune response in action and you deal with it. I said, because the alternative and I, I do when someone says, well, you can't make me. I'm like, you're absolutely right. I can't make you. But if you get COVID, you might have a way worse time than 24 hours of feeling sick, okay? Especially if we end up amputating a leg. You're going to really wish you had taken that second shot. So That's kind of how I'm doing it. Yeah, I just, I lay out the facts. Yes, you're going to have an inflammation response. Uh, We don't have the sheet that Ben has. Uh, We don't actually administer at our site. That's not how our area is doing it. But we do answer questions as much as possible. We give them all the up-to-date information that we have. And I do tell them, you're right, no one's going to make you, but the consequence of not getting it is something you may want to consider versus 24 hours of, I feel cruddy. 
Right. Well, I don't remember ever seeing anybody get histamine reactions. Like I'd like to think that, you know, hives, that sort of thing, seven days after the vaccine. That's something I hadn't seen in my own, you know, in my own experience. So that was a little bit strange. And and telling patients that because they're asking now, hey, how'd you do? It's a you know fine line. I don't want to scare anyone away from getting it, even though it is a tough couple of days. I'm ready again to go travel. I need to go see my son. I'm like, you know, <laughs> once the doctor popped that third eye out, he said with a notch, I was good to go. So it's not really that hard. So. Oh, jeez. Well, I did mention it earlier and, I, and it was one of the questions that was brought up uh, when we threw this out on social media. And so I just want to take a second to reiterate this. So it is messenger RNA technology, as we stated earlier. Uh, Classic vaccines basically introduce an inactivated pathogen or part of the pathogen to the body to teach it how to produce the immune response. The mRNA vaccine basically delivers instructions for making the pathogen's protein to the cells. The mRNA does not hang around in the body. It's not integrated into our DNA. Once it's provided the instructions, the cell breaks down. Um, in fact, the mRNA will never reach the, even the cell's nucleus, which is where our DNA is housed. So this vaccine does not in any way alter your DNA. And that is actually, especially with some of my older patients in general, and this isn't anyone specific, just in general, one of the questions I've had multiple times, it seems is, well, I heard where they're hearing this, I don't know, but I heard, you know, it could interfere with your DNA. I said, I think, first of all, no, I'm pretty blunt about stopping misinformation like that with a simple, first of all, it's no. And then let's talk about why it's no, because I don't want there to be any ambiguity. It's no. Okay. No, it doesn't. So let's be clear. Then I explained to them basically what you you just said. Well, first of all, I don't know if they were misunderstanding RNA versus DNA, because those aren't the same thing. <laughs> and then kind of go through the whole process with them. I'm never mean to anybody because they don't know. Clearly, they don't know. That's why they're saying it. But I don't want there to be any miscommunication either. I want them to understand that that is not true and there's reasons why. Jeff, how do you handle it? Or have you gotten that question? I haven't had that question. The one I get more often is, should I? And then what is it going to do to me? But I haven't had anybody ask about the DNA alternate being turned into something they aren't yet. There's a big group of that in Ohio going on, apparently. (laughs) What do they think? I mean, okay, theoretically, what's it going to change in your DNA? If you're an elderly person, it's not like you're going to be reproducing anytime soon. So I'm wondering what the worry is. Well, like I said, I don't know where specifically they're getting the information from. So that's one of the many, this is the super fun time with COVID-19 vaccine is because people come to me with random questions. I'm like, what do you, who, what? No. (laughs) So let's just be clear about that. Um, The other one I get a lot of, and I know we're going to be discussing it later, is pregnancy. Oh, yeah. That's the one I'm like, oh boy. There's no negative information so far, but the one thing that keeps coming back to that I won't tell them that you're 100% correct is they're like, well, is there a bunch of better trials? I'm like, no. Not intentionally. Yeah, not <laughs> intentionally. And again, this is on the Moderna Pfizer site, CDC sites, uh, World Health Organization even. You could look up this information where they had people during the trials become pregnant. So we did get incidental information, but wasn't a focused or planned trial. They have done several focused trials now on rats and gotten the rats pregnant. And again, they saw no damage to cells, no maternal problems, no problems with the fetus or anything like that. But still, when they're like, well, do you know 10 years from now? I'm like, no, nobody knows 10 years from now. We just came out with it. I don't try and argue semantics about that part with them, but I'm like, you're right. You got me. We don't have a dedicated study, but here's what we do know. Are you seeing pregnant ladies? I'm seeing probably maybe five or six that were positive. Are you guys seeing any positives out there? I haven't. Not off the top of my head. I know there are hospital workers that are female that are pregnant that chose to get the vaccine. Right. And I've seen those too. Yeah. I've also know a few that didn't get it. Of course, like I said, this was their choice. I'm not going to badger anybody over that. I'm just saying I've seen both pregnant females because ACOG supports it based on those studies. And like I said, the information from the CDC and everybody is out there and you can look it up and it says, hey, 
it's mRNA. It doesn't affect your DNA. It doesn't break down, you know, any cell parts. Like there's no transfer. So that's the main one I know we contend with quite often is like, well, what if I get pregnant or what if I'm breastfeeding or... So it's the same process. When those names pop, when they pop up on the schedule and it says, you know, eight weeks pregnant, COVID positive, I'm just like, stop it now on the schedule. (laughs) It makes me nervous just because, again, that's what, you know, when you're telling somebody they're positive for COVID anyway, in this day and age, this people get, there's that, some of them are like, "Eh, whatever. But then there are those people who are just absolutely petrified that they're going to die or that they're going to kill their family because they've given it to their family. And then you add pregnancy on top of that. It's a whole nother level of anxiety that it's very difficult to deal with. But I've checked up on four of the six and they've done well. They did their few days of not feeling so great and making sure that they followed up if they needed IV fluid or something like couldn't eat or, you know, there was two that had a lot of trouble with the nausea part. But um, otherwise, everybody that I have seen personally, the six did okay. Four of the six. I don't know about the other two. I was saying that was the biggest question that I got back on social media feedback was, should people who are trying to get pregnant get the vaccine? What about people who are pregnant? Should they get the vaccine? So there was a lot of the pregnancy things. Jeff, did you do some research in that realm? Well, everybody is decidedly non-committal. Fair enough. They believe it to be safe, but nobody is really coming out and saying, hey, we've tested it. I mean, it's the same thing that we've been talking about. It's a matter of everything that we've seen says it is safe and recommended because the alternative and the risks to mom during a pregnancy are too great to take. Same with breastfeeding. There's no contraindication to it that has been demonstrated in the literature so far. And that's similar to kind of like what I found too, Tom. You you said you mentioned something about ACOG earlier. Yeah. So that's relatively what ACOG has their position is, is that, hey, so far everything looks safe. There's been a few small trials like, you know, rat or laboratory and the incidental pregnancies that came about during the initial trials. And based on how the mRNA vaccine works, they support it. They're like, hey, we support it. But yeah, if you want me to point to a study, these 12,000 women, you know, were pregnant with COVID and they got the vaccine, no problem. I'm like, that's the thing that I usually can do. I'm like, well, here's the information that shows this is possible that with this particular time, I don't have. That's one of the things. So, but no, it makes me feel a lot better knowing that like ACOG and everybody are like saying, hey, no, 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 no. Our position is it's safe. You should be telling your patients, get it if they're, you know, eligible. Let's move forwards. But of course, you know, if you're listening and you're pregnant or potentially pregnant and you have questions about the COVID vaccine, we, of course, recommend that you do talk to your OBGYN as they're going to be the ones who are most going to be most up to date on uh, ACOG recommendations. Don't base it off of this podcast. Correct. <laughs> Again, just anecdotal information. Just want to get that out of there now. Exactly. Anecdotal information. As a matter of fact, the last one I'm looking at right now was a study of Moderna's mRNA-1273 in rats, and it was completed and data submitted on December 4th to the FDA. So that's how it's happening right now. We're doing... So if anybody has concerns, it's not like, oh, we did it one time. Like, I'm like, okay, I, I know... <laughs> the science memes are lacking, but, you know, they don't stop doing the studies. So, I mean, even like I said, last month, they are submitting report after report and date after data. So I would feel very comfortable, even if it was my spouse going, no, I would say get it. And before we move on from pregnancy, something that's kind of related to it. And one of the questions that I got was about the rumor about vaccines making people potentially infertile. And this was actually a question that I got in clinic as well. So I did some research on it, of course. This rumor began because of a link between the spike protein that is coded by the mRNA and a protein called syncytin-1, which is vital for the placenta to remain attached to the uterus during pregnancy. Spike proteins share a few amino acids in common, but they are not nearly similar enough to confuse the immune system. This rumor appears to have been started courtesy of Dr. Wolfgang Woodgard. In December of last year, he petitioned the European Medicines Agency to halt COVID-19 vaccine trials in the European Union. Among his concerns was the Syncytin-1 issue mentioned above. He does have a history of skepticism toward vaccines and has downplayed the severity of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
He and the former vice president and chief scientist of Pfizer Pharmaceuticals joined voices to make claims about the vaccine producing infertility, thus stroking widespread fears. However, there's no evidence that any COVID-19 vaccine affects fertility. Hold on. Go back for a second. He joined forces with the CEO of Pfizer? No, the former vice president and chief scientist of Pfizer. Said the same thing as this dude? Yes. Well, somebody's angry at Pfizer. Yeah, exactly. He's former vice president, so then... Yeah, yeah former. They're not still paying him his 401k or anything. Yeah. No. Well, or yeah. not anymore now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you were going to get a golden parachute, Mr. Former Vice President. Yeah. I was going to look that up here. But again, agenda. This guy is a skeptic. He doesn't like vaccines. He thinks, you know, whatever. That's the saddest point. Yeah. While social media has some great qualities, like I can keep in touch with family members around, you know, the world, literally. A guy who has a bent against vaccines can make up information. Yeah. And I can't say vagina on Facebook. So there you go. Whoa. Yeah. I'm just saying it's silly the things that are allowed to be on there that are misinformation and that sort of thing. But when you try to educate people, it doesn't happen. Things in the world are backwards sometimes. That's all. Were you put in Facebook jail? Because I said I was a sex educator. Yep, I was for like two weeks because I tried to post a video. It's great stuff. I Googled this gentleman. His name is Michael Yeadon. Oh, yeah. Let's get back on this. <laughs> this was a story from one day ago about this gentleman. So he's still out there making uh, statements, apparently. Drug maker of Pfizer's former vice president, chief scientist for allergy and respiratory, Michael Yeadon, claimed, quote, the pandemic is fundamentally over in the UK, unquote. I would say, I bet you the UK would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> so It's a very loose definition of fundamentally. Yeah, exactly. Like, I use the same words because they're both in the English language. Therefore, it must be the same thing. I'm like, no, Chuck, I don't think that's how this one works. No, Chuck. He was quoted as saying, I believe I have provided more than an adequate evidence that a significant proportion, 30% of the population went into 2020 armed with T-cells capable of defending themselves against COVID-19, even though they had never seen the virus. This is because they had previously been infected by one or more common cold-producing coronaviruses, is his assumption. Well, I think you've, it's kind of a dangerous slope on that one. You're going to have family members who are all under the same roof. Two people get sick. Two people are taking care of these folks and in their face and they're not going to get sick. There's no way to predict who is going to have enough resistance to fight off the virus without becoming ill. And as a matter of fact, I think there was a study they did, and I want to say it was in Singapore, believe it or not, about household transmission rates. And it was actually pretty low. Mm -hmm. Well, going back to the vaccine misinformation, one of the things I tell folks is maybe going to the website IHateVaccines.com or the equivalent is not the best place to get unbiased information. I mean, and I tell folks, look at multiple sources. Form your opinion based on fact. Don't form your opinion based on somebody else's opinion. Well, and I'm just speculating, but my question would be, you know, if this person is a former vice president of Pfizer and perhaps did he go out on bad terms and that's why he's now spreading misinformation about Pfizer's vaccine. But that's just speculation on my part. We have to remember that everybody has a money stake in this as well. You know, corporations, you know, people going back to work, that sort of thing. So I was looking at CNN like a month ago. They had posted that the Moderna and the Pfizer together are going to net about $32 billion from these vaccines, <laughs> from the sale of these vaccines all over the world. So think about that. So you have lobbyists, you know, they're paying lobbyists crazy amounts of money. You have all these other people. And, you know, we would be foolish to think that there aren't misinformation persons that are hired to incite things such as falsehoods about vaccines. Why not? It totally makes sense. And lastly, in the realm of pregnancy and fertility, which was about fetal tissue. Oh, my. Anti-vaxxers have spread rumors for years that any potential vaccines could contain fetal tissue. Neither COVID-19 vaccine or any other vaccine contains any tissue from fetuses. There are no fetal cells used in any vaccine production process. Thank goodness. Tom, I think that's a good stopping point for this episode. As you can tell, we clearly had a lot to say, and the conversation continued for about another hour, actually. Yeah, and I thought a lot of good points were brought up in part one, 
And for those that listen on to part two, it's just a continuation of the conversation. And we keep talking about the in-depth issues that are surrounding you know, the COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, it definitely has a lot of good press and some you know misinformation but out there. But unfortunately, that's kind of how this pandemic has been. And so we wanted to bring you as uh, much good information as we can. Now, obviously, because of recording and such, we recorded this actually, I think, right before Valentine's Day, because I think Pollyanna referenced that in the in the first part of the episode. Shocker, Pollyanna talking about Valentine's Day. I know, I was shocked too. But if you like this episode, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. Our website is com. Our email is admin at com as well. So, Tom, like I said, that's kind of where we'll end this episode. And, um, you know, we look forward to getting the next part of this out. And hopefully some of this will be, uh, you know, spoiler alert out for or available for uh, CNEs sometime in the near future. Oh, the excitement from the crowd. I can hear it. The cheering and the multiple cars. People are just wanting to learn Ben. But on a serious note... <laughs> I really hope that both healthcare professionals find something educational, not only for themselves, but something that they can talk to their patients about when they have questions. And for our non-healthcare listeners, some in-depth understanding of development and use of the vaccine. And some of the myths, I think it's really important that we start shooting some of those down. No, absolutely. I agree. And we try to do that. And we also, you know, because we posted it on all of our social media. And so we'd taken a bunch of questions. And uh, so I know we answered several of those in the first portion of this. And of course, we just kind of like you alluded to, we kind of continue that in the next portion as well. So if your question didn't get answered during this show, then uh, tune in next week. Well, Ben, should we go ahead and end it here so that people can prepare themselves mentally for the second part? Yes, I can hear the the hum in the cars as you know they're mentally preparing. Please don't close your eyes while you're driving, though, because we don't want to be responsible for that. Be mindful. But you can silently meditate to yourself about what could be coming next week. So on that note, wear your mask, wash your hands. Have a great week. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. Without you